0: Are you the guardian?
1: No, I'm the (laughs) valet.
0: Welcome to the Hoover Interview. Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I'm Colin. I'm
2: Kelsey. Oh my (laughs) goodness.
0: And tonight we're going to be discussing The Haunting of Villa Diodati, which is quite a title.
1: Yeah. You know, I I just got to say before we jump into the meat of the matter, that butler... Man, I've never seen such good acting from a bit part before. That was like the quintessentially perfect, uh, you know, creepy butler guy. His reactions were just phenomenal the entire time. He was like all in the background, but he was so great.
3: <laughs> yeah, he he was, was good. I kind of got the feeling that he was who like all these, uh, you know, uh, uh, dark writers wrote about and molded all of the butlers from, you know, Frankenstein and these other old classics uh, <laughs> into this old creepy dude. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was very clear the whole, you know, <laughs> Cyberman influences on Mary Shelley Frankenstein. Are you multiple men made of composite parts?
2: Well, the, like, electricity hitting him. And
1: yeah, the and then life. the fact that all he was surgically, all of his organs were replaced. and
3: Yeah, that was a fun way to go at the angle that, like, that was the true inspiration. But, you know... I think they did pretty well with the Cybermen in this story, but I usually think the Cybermen would kind of fall flat. What if Mary Shelley was inspired by the Daleks or a Zygon, perhaps? Maybe we'd get some uh, better writing. <laughs> you don't
2: think Frankenstein? Good?
3: He's never read Frankenstein. Yeah. I was I explaining
2: the
1: to him is. why it's so brilliant the other day, but. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, I understand it, you know. Zombies the, came from Africa. The origin story of the Cybermen is a lot more interesting than the Cybermen itself. That's what becomes a lot more creepy, actually becoming a Cyberman, Yeah. Rather that, than having Cybermen after you, I, I think that's... Well, the Cybermen
1: after you is scary because they're trying to turn you into one of them. And we did see the Doctor's very strong reaction of, I won't let that happen again, which I assume she's not referring to Danny and she's in fact referring to Bill her very beloved companion.
0: Could be, yeah, that could very well be. Um, uh, One thing I wanted to point out, too, right off the bat, was I absolutely love the fact that we now have a male that's not a regular cast member that is actually infatuated with... The female doctor.
1: Oh yeah. Well, Byron was such a player, and I, yeah, <laughs> I loved like his like. Oh, may I just say that you are lovely in a crisis? No, you may not. <laughs> that was phenomenal.
0: Uh, yeah. No, that was perfect. Uh, gotta love. Gotta love. Also, I lo- love that
1: to- <laughs> They all just yes. called her Mrs. Doctor because they just couldn't conceive of there being a female doctor. So they they were like, "You must be married. It must be your last name."
3: And it was times where everyone was overly formal about things as well. You need to be yeah. mindful of proper titles and all
0: ruffles. And did they actually and say so Mrs. or did they say Miss Doctor? Mrs. Mrs. Oh, interesting. I guess so.
2: She could not travel with male companions unless she was married. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I liked the episode. It was entertaining. Um, I kind of... I, I wonder a little bit if, like, the ghost was kind of a, a... Like, they forgot to wrap it up, and then they were all like... They finally, like, are listening to us of, hey, you could just throw a sentence in at the end and you can kind of wrap up these, like, weird hanging stories. And this time they did just that. It was just like, oh, yeah. Remember when those ghosts, and it's like, oh, yeah, let's do
3: a sentence. I appreciate that they yeah. closed the loop, but this is a real big letdown for me. It was
1: personally. totally unnecessary to have that be a part of this at all, and it just sort of.
2: Yeah, the bones, like, they never even explained that. Yeah, really. that wasn't
3: really good either. You know, even the, the Siberium or the Cyberman is really, you know, motivated to reanimate a particular skeleton hand or a skull. No, I think it was uh, Shelley. So or, Shelley
2: was pretending to be the villain? Well, it
3: was Shelly via the, um, the Siberian.
2: Yeah.
1: But, like, you know, it was hard to tell because he said it has a mind of its own, but also that he was controlling
3: moving the rooms. So it could have been either. It could have been him trying to get everybody's attention. Yeah, but I, I feel like it was a giant cop-out. I think, you know, Doctor Who is a sci-fi show, and I think they've, they've always done well to avoid the superstition or at least, you know, explain things via a natural phenomenon not use a supernatural cop-out, which I think they, they gave to here. I mean, they didn't fully say it, but, you know, it seemed like they just opened it up to like, yeah, ghost serve out.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like that one time where they were like, oh, Santa Claus left this at the end. You know, I, I feel like those are the only two times they've done it is here and, and with Santa.
0: There's another explanation is that these two people that Graham sees are actually, in fact, something that is a hint or a... Uh, foreshadowing something that's coming.
1: You know what, that was actually my first thought, but then Colin pointed out that based on the writing we've seen the last two seasons, that's
0: probably not the
2: case. Or they could have just been real people, like Lots of people ignored the staff in those days and pretended like they didn't exist.
0: But one was a child. That doesn't make sense that one... A child if they were married... To, if staff. it was married to
1: the... She's married to the butler,
3: that's their kid? I mean, and definitely they were they were made up
0: to be oh, portrayed as so ghastly. Guy.
1: No, well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, that would be a feasible explanation. But he's yeah. probably kind of
3: at grayed, like, harrowed skin. And then even, like, this is kind of a tangent, too, but even, like, the doctor saying that the house was relentlessly evil, I think, was, you know, a little off-canon. <laughs>
0: Was yeah, of, the, it was a little off. It was over. It was yeah. Because the, the
1: doctors generally pretty, you know, insistent that no, these aren't demons. This isn't evil magic. This isn't you know yeah. an evil force. It's just like
3: maybe I'm pretty sure it's evil. Totally it, feel. I it. mean,
1: like she very frequently like goes errs toward the side of confusing everybody in the past that she's talking to over actually like making it make more sense to them and be inaccurate. You know, mm-hmm. this is definitely a violation of that. But that said, let's talk about the house shifting around. That was pretty fun and a really cool concept of there being a giant perception filter on it, which, you know, of course we've seen before, but not in this type of context, the sort of space loop type thing that was going on. And the fact
3: that the sleepwalking guy, you know, walks through a wall. Yeah, I was impervious to it. I thought that was a great, great tool for the doctor to make a discovery, you know, have a somnambulist into the equation. I think that that's
1: actually probably real, though.
3: Oh, I, I'm sure... I think that he's thought that he to be a, part of the inspiration for Frankenstein, actually. But I don't think that's how... I don't think he walked through perceived walls or anything else. No, I, I... I'm just saying it was a great tool to have sleepwalking, which seemed like at first this could be like some mystery that we're getting into about him like being plagued in the night, but really it was just a device to make us understand that there's kind of a perception filter going on.
0: Which is yet another seemingly cop-out for all these things that seem to be going some in some direction and then go absolutely nowhere. Yes, <laughs> and, and
3: just in the same sense, too. Like, we kind of opened this episode with somewhat of a perception filter. We used the psychic paper.
1: Oh, no, no, no. That, that's because geniuses... Can see through the psychic paper, and they just see blank. Like Shakespeare just saw a blank piece of paper and stuff. Right. So right. all so, of the people in this house they were visiting are thought to be geniuses. So that's why I think that that I was get just. And I wanted
3: to bring that up in general, but also if the geniuses can see through the paper, but they can't see through the you know another version of perception filter. I, I don't know. I feel like that's a, a lack of continuity within the same episode. I think that's
0: a different perception filter. One I, I'm is sure a psychic there's a psychic link between the psychic paper. Whereas with the perception filter it's more of a physical barrier that's allowing your eyes to see something <laughs> that's not there. Does that makes sense.
3: No, I, I really don't get the distinction because it seems like you certainly can if you just close your eyes. You know, you can.
0: It's you it, can go it's, through. It's and, more of what's goes in, going on into your eye. What your eye is receiving is part of the perception filter. But in terms of the doctor's psychic paper, it's what the mind is interpreting on the paper, and it's not what you're how seeing. How I
3: perceive it, it's still it's both the same. Perception is reality, whether you, it's a psychic thing uh, or you know you're transducing light particles into other information. It, it both seems
0: like it happens in the mind. To a degree, but I think there's a distinction between actually seeing something and actually mentally thinking you see something.
1: Although, as far as I can I'm not tell... Sure about the phenomenon. Okay, but, the but, but this discrepancy, though, I think has always been present in Doctor Who, because I'm pretty sure that Doctor can, like, see through psychic paper and stuff, but often gets fooled by perception filters.
0: Yeah, that would be my guess.
1: So, you're right, it doesn't really
0: make sense, but at least it's
2: consistent. Well, it could just be, like, how powerful the object is. That's too. true. I mean, I, maybe that's a cop-out explanation. No, but,
1: but that makes sense. Yeah. like Because this is,
2: like, some mystic silver goo that can...
1: Yeah, I yeah. Know. You know how cool would it have been to have the doctor dealing with having a piece of cyber technology inside her for for a while? I, I thought, thought the doctor
3: that... is a little bit more of a legitimate villain. I think be a cool angle. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, like, also, I mean, I well, thought that the doctor that. was the villain because I thought that the Cyberman looked just like Matt Smith.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I, you got that.
1: Yeah, part. I don't either. Face
2: it
0: doesn't it's look faith. anything like Matt Smith. <laughs>
2: nope. <laughs> Um, I have to say it. I noticed in this episode, like... Again, the Doctor's really distancing herself from the companions. I really think that all the companions could be gone at the end of this season.
1: See, I thought that this was... I mean, I agree with you there, but I also thought that this was kind of counter to what we had seen before, which was your comment, I think it was last week, about how the Doctor seems to need the companions when they need her, and here was a flip of it, because I think they were feeling that way too, and here we had a very strong Doctor moment of, oh no, we're not on the same level, I'm the one who has to make this choice, anyone else want to do it? Yeah, that's what I thought, so... Yeah, but
2: in a way, that's also distancing them some more, and...
3: It is, but I think that's something that's always, you know, existed with the Doctor, but we haven't seen as much, you know, yeah. during the season of the 13th. I think this is what Jodie needs. She yeah. needs more darkness. She needs, she needs more needs of the, that, that style soul. She of needs, Doctor. She yeah. needs power and control to the point there. I understand things that you don't.
0: If you go back, though, in time, you and, and to the doc, the David Tennant era, he does talk to one companion, and and shows kind of a similar thing where he has to choose between a a whole bunch of people a certain group of people that are supposed to die or an entire earth or full, full Well yeah but
1: that, I mean that's what we're saying is that this has always been an attitude that right, the right. doctors Right right let
0: had. me let me finish what was, my point was my point was that he actually turns to his companion and suggests this is my choice the companion then turns back to the doctor and actually helps the doctor choose Which one to go with. In this case, the Doctor's distancing herself from the Companions by taking on the entire choice. The Companions do not actually choose. They just kind of, like, let the Doctor do the thing. Yeah, Yeah.
1: although... Jack is a companion who did make a choice, not the specific one she was dealing with, but the one she dealt with immediately afterwards, where he has experienced it. He said, don't give it to them at any cost. And this is a human from the far distant future, so if the world ends in 1816, he obviously would never be born too. So he clearly has thought out this decision and is like, yes, I'm willing to sacrifice my life for you to, you know make sure that this these horrible events don't happen and i feel like that should have warranted a little bit more pause maybe an attempt to stop the cyberman from you know calling the ship and destroying the earth before just handing over the cyberium
0: possibly but she may have already understood that this is vital she has to allow events to happen in order for her to actually get all this information in the first place because it would be a time there, there'd be a it would change everything up so that she wouldn't be able to get the, the message from Jack if he didn't exist in the first place. Also, you know how does, does
3: Jack know there's like paint little circles where things <laughs> like that are positive. I I'm how
2: does how does Jack know that that's the better decision? Like he's only lived in one reality. He can't really go and say like like in his mind, yeah, oh, this is a terrible future. We got to change it. But he doesn't necessarily think about the fact that like okay. If we do this then the world will explode 2000 years earlier and then it will yeah, it won't be a problem but it's because everyone's dead. <laughs>
0: it, it's it's a, I think it goes back to the doctor's quality back from the first doctor era is that you don't mess with time. You don't if, if there's and obviously there are very fixed points as the doctor puts it in some of his past incarnations. And so maybe this is a fixed point that the doctor realizes in order for everything to to work itself out, I've got to make this first choice. I
1: guess that makes sense Indeed. because she did make the choice after the Cyberman said, you know, we are inevitable, so... And
3: the Cyberman went back in time. I, I don't know. Yeah, it just feels I, like that's that's the...
0: Yeah, because if you change everything now, change it seems lot. like everything that, that would have happened in order to make everything... All these events take place. But then even place. still
3: shouldn't. Jack have understood that? Shouldn't he know that his warning is meaningless or futile? Maybe he's situation? just maybe
0: he's just seen so much he was time
3: traveling before he met up with the doctor.
0: It, it just could be how it affected him emotionally. Maybe maybe the wrong choice was to actually not give back. The Cyberman. Yeah, I'm
3: on pretty much everybody's side against the doctor on this. It's like, no, why are you giving that up here? Man? Yeah, I mean, I
1: just felt like she at least could have, you know, tried something, tried tackling him, like, tried anything before just handing it over. It was just sort of like, oh, you're threatening me? Oh, well, okay. here you
3: go. Yeah,
1: like, I mean, like, the one guy said he had a pistol. So, you know, I mean it probably wouldn't have worked, but someone could've tried it. I
3: don't know, we have not exposed half of the face right there. You yeah. barely got that opportunity with the Cyberman. This is this is Cyberman 1.0, a concept that we hadn't really dealed with dealt with yet um in this podcast. We have a Cyberman without an inhibitor chip. We we see the emotion. Um, you know, because half mm-hmm. of his helmet is missing, we feel it. You can see it in the in his voice, you know, he spares a child, maybe just to become a Cyberman down the road.
0: There's hints of the Ninth Doctor story, Dalek. And, of course, the Dalek's inherits yeah. yeah. Rose's kind of a more essence. A human uh, kind of enemy. I know, it's they not could have quite
2: tried to convince the... Cyberman to kill himself after he learned to get
1: emotions (laughs) well you know I gotta say like you know Mary Shelley's whole thing with that whole speech where she's talking to him and like I'm looking at the man who spared my son and that whole thing I mean that was great because it was just I mean that's the exact type of you know, speech the doctor pulls, and then everything turns out all right, but then this guy would just, like, was like, nope, I really am this evil.
2: Well, and the doctor didn't even try to do a speech no. like that. No. Well,
1: the doctors got a uh, deep prejudice against Daleks and Cybermen, where, and sometimes her companions will call around on it, of, like, you know, why are you treating these ones differently? You're not even trying to, like communicate, and the Doctor's just like, you know, I've dealt with these things enough times, and has just become, you know, totally, they keep you know, disenchanted up. with them, and, and, and won't do it, and so yeah. a lot of times the Companions do have to step up in that case, and again, we saw that in Dalek. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or, so, I mean, that is actually does make a lot of sense with everything else we have seen with the Doctor, you know, having a blind spot there.
2: Yeah. Definitely. I just am thinking, like, that silver goo could probably have been a weapon of some kind, well, too. Yeah, I mean, like, because I was thinking, you know, she had said, was she was out. like, oh,
1: Shelly has this entire, you know, supercomputer fused to his brain stuff. It seems like she would be able to handle that happening because, you know, the doctor tends to be able to handle those type of things going on. And, like, she could have used that to destroy the Cyberman. I feel like if that thing's connected in some way, giving orders, like, I just I just think yeah, that there could have been ways. I mean, and
3: also the, the Cyberman can time travel, too. It's stopping him from. You know, changing all of history tomorrow, you know, with, with and unwriting Frankenstein story. But also, why is the Siberium there? Why Why is it back in 816? Why, she, she said why this is, is how somebody show? sent it back in time to try to
1: change history, maybe to just get rid of it. Maybe to... It, it, it just seems very,
3: very random. It's very, like,
2: gollum or... The other one, yeah. where they uh, reaches into the water to grab the shiny thing, yeah, I'm like
0: oh, uh, on <laughs> to Lord of the Rings. Lord of
2: the Rings. <laughs> uh,
0: I will say this though about this story is that again we have an extraordinarily crowded story with so many people, so many companions. Sure. I thought Byron and was amazing, though. Byron was, but I the problem is is that there's so little time spent with some of these characters. We don't really. To, to be fair,
1: though, all of those people were historical. People, This is a historical event where we know that all of those people were there that night. So this also mm-hmm. wasn't them just throwing in
0: random no, side no, characters no. I'm that were unnecessary. I'm just saying is that in order to make room for all these characters, you have to sideline, of course, our all companions. The
2: companions.
0: again, yeah. And, and in a sense, they were all pretty much sidelined. I mean, except maybe Graham, who was the one leading the charge to find um, the bathroom. <laughs> the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> Which,
3: I'm concerned. Did he ever find the bathroom? He I mean, did, it was He the was pot. pointed towards a chamber pot. I, I yeah. feel like he was turned off from it. I'm, never I'm concerned it. about Graham's bladder. This whole... This
0: was something that was really not, you know... It's okay. Up. Yeah, oh, another as one soon of as those loose
2: <laughs> ends that they never...
0: <laughs> the bathroom on the TARDIS that we never see. Maybe that intense
3: bladder pressure is what caused
2: hallucinations.
3: That's
1: the
0: there. Yeah. Oh my, alright. But
1: I, I do have to say though, this was a creepy, very, you know, enthralling type of story up until a point where this stuff didn't get tied up where the doctor just handed over the thing where it's like, ooh, there might be ghosts or whatever. And I just feel like it started so well.
0: I think it started well, but it kind of fell a little flat because you realize that pretty much everything that that could have been an interesting mystery really isn't that interesting of a mystery.
1: I feel like that's been happening so much last two seasons that it keeps being like, wow, I could have thought of like 10 different ways that this could have concluded that would have made it
3: so much better yeah (laughs) it it almost seems like a lot of the plot is just like stitched together haphazardly almost like frankenstein
0: (laughs) maybe (laughs) that maybe that was the point
3: in order to just get to some ending note that like has a cool cliffhanger that you know you're interested in in the future kind of gets you to stop thinking about all the mishaps that happen in the plot line and be like wow i'm excited for this next Next thing coming
1: Which, to be fair, I'm excited for the next thing yeah, coming to up to see that, a full on, you know, Cyberman war uh, going I'm going to
0: hold back on my excitement because I'm a little worried, but at any rate. Come.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you know, big, huge battlefield full of Cybermen. It can't be that terrible. I'm less
3: confused hoping. about like the whole Cybermen angle. I'm more interested just how they wrap up, or I hope that they wrap up a little bit about the mystery about the Time Lords. The, yeah, the master. I, we'll see. Yeah. we'll see. I it hope could so, be a two. God, I mean,
1: I'm thinking Kelsey might be right that it might be next season.
0: Could be. We well, don't know. We'll find I, out. Yeah, you got an epic two-parter.
2: <laughs> I really <laughs> that think sad. that a lot is not going to get wrapped up this season, and I wouldn't be surprised if if the Doctor splits off from the companions, and maybe they ha- like maybe it's just for the first episode next season or the first two-parter where like they might be on different missions. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the doctor's like, I gotta go do this and the companions, even in this episode, they were like, Well the doctor said not to follow her, but we still gotta do our own thing, so maybe that's gonna be what happens. Like they go off and do their mission, she goes off and does hers, and maybe they'll like, you know, come back together at the beginning of next season. But I I don't know. I'm just getting this like feeling that they they do seem to have up the story. companions. Yeah, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. and, and frankly, I think it'd be a really good move from them. I think three new companions in once was pretty ambitious, and there's been a lot of, um, you know, mishaps or at least missed opportunities along the way. Yeah, a lot, a lot of opportunity cost decisions that each writer needs to make in every episode. They really need yeah. to drop down to one or two companions. I think it'd be great to make a Yaz into a bit of a supervillain. I think. I know. So I know. That would be pretty cool. It won't happen, but just. just I can just see. It. The I mean, I feel
2: like
1: they're kind of leading it up for her to be the only companion who sticks around for next season.
3: She's definitely becoming the more interesting companion. She's Miss Independent. She will, you know, take her own. Um, you know, well the doctor seems to
2: be it. picking her as her second in command. Like, oh, Shelly, give Yaz this this yeah. stuff, like. Yeah, as you go do that, like, it, it seems like she... Yeah, and I mean, her.
1: it also could be partially because Yaz, you know, went back and went through that portal and down to the bottom of the Indian Ocean or whatever on her own and did that, that maybe the doctor was like, wow, she really... Shows some
2: initiative. Yeah, she shows some initiative maybe She handle all this stuff her. on her own. Yeah, well, she didn't die. Did anyone else notice, like, the... In, uh, in the conversation with Yaz on and the... And what is it, Claire? Yeah. About, like, oh, yeah, like, my... The person that I'm seeing is kind of like, and I'm like, wait, is Yaz hinting that like her and the doctor like have something going on?
1: Well, it could be that Yaz has a crush on the doctor. Generally speaking, there's not usually a lot that actually goes on other than like, you know, possibly some sexual tension or stuff. It seems like the doctor pretty much avoids, you know extensive physical contact with other people up to a point so chances are no but it could be something like that a lot of people have speculated that Yaz might be gay that you know and it makes sense for the doctor to be gay because the doctor's
0: always been attracted to women so why would that stop uh, it's also possible that Yaz is just interested in somebody else we, do, we don't like, know. Or, or, I mean, or honestly, Ryan. what
1: I think that they were actually getting at was that Yaz right. wasn't really talking about someone that she's interested in. She was just talking about like, oh, there's someone in my life that's like that. Right. Yeah. And that's kind
3: of how I took it, too. I mean, whether you're romantic with the doctor or not, you know, if you're a companion, pretty huge influence on your life. I, I thought yeah. that it was just that.
1: Just a little. Yeah, I was thinking it was that, too. But kind of I'm glad you brought that up because that is a good point. Yeah.
0: All right, ratings. Colin. Ratings, ratings, ratings.
3: Are you dumb with this ratings. conversation, Michael? Like, oh. No, no. we get <laughs> a like, wrap it up Who mm-hmm. wants to wrap it up? Um, we also, just I would hope all great authors would. But, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, you'd you think.
3: <laughs> we will see. We will see. There's always another episode that could tie everything together. I'm still wondering if, you know, pseudo Google CEO will be back in our lives. But. <laughs> You know, maybe there's other creatures from another dimension we will see again. Where's the master? What's going on? I
1: totally thought when we first saw the Cybermen out the window that it was one of those creatures from another dimension because it looked
3: a lot like it with the lightning. Could have been, but not. Um, I'm going back to my Frankenstein metaphor for this episode because I feel like it was stitched together. This is a Franken episode. Is it a ghost story? Is it a historical story? Is it a story about the value of writing um, uh, with with duels? Is it about Cybermen? (laughs) It's, is it just setting up the stage for an epic finale? It's trying to be all things at once, and I think it fails to do everything really, really well. Um, I think there were some cop-outs in, in the ghost angle of the story that were not really wrapped up that disappointed me. Um, you know, there's there was some legitimate creepiness to this episode and, and a nice vibe, but still, I can't get past the cliche of a dark and stormy night. Um, but it was a dark and stormy night. Hence the cliché, you know? It was, just like, it was
1: the original dark and stormy Yeah, no, I mean, like, that night in
3: history was dark and stormy. That's why it inspired Frankenstein. Still, as a story, I, 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 I find myself not caring. Um, I don't think it's that creepy anymore. That'd be nice if we were first hearing the story in 1816. Um, but it's 2020, and I think the authors need to step up their game um, I'm excited for what's to come. I think there are some interesting paths and, uh, an interesting philosophical question or two. Um, but in the end, I think this was lacking. For me, this week, it's just getting a 6 out of 10. Me, at worst, you know, it's, it's a muddled story that, without anything going on, at best, it's a very interesting way to set up for a really big showstopper in the next two episodes, but they really need to bring down.
1: Kelsey?
2: Um... I I always kind of like the historical episodes, like, more than the futuristic ones, so this one started off with, like, high hopes for me. I did really enjoy it. I kind of get what Colin's saying. Like, there were a lot of pieces to this story, and I mean, I think we've been a little critical, like, even just looking back over the conversation right now, there were a lot of good things. There were I thought that the side characters were really good, like, well, and like one, like the the main non companion characters, I thought that was done well. I I liked a lot of the interactions with the Cyberman. I thought that like they were fairly interesting. What did you
1: think th- of the Cybermen in general? This being your first introduction to them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought. I have a little bit of background on what they are, like, just from conversations with you guys, so I wasn't coming in, like, not knowing who they are, but I did think it was interesting to see some, a Cyberman that was, like, more at the beginning of their developmental stage and before he's, like, become full robot and is in, like, the transition, I guess, um, and, I mean, in a a way it kind of draws you into the character more because you almost have hope that, like, is he going to change? Is he going to, like, save them and not be a bad guy in the end? Which I feel like, once it's a full robot, you probably don't get that feeling as much anymore. It's
1: never a full robot.
2: Well, but, I mean, you know, once their emotion eliminator, or whatever it's called, is is in there, then it kind of gets rid of a lot of that hope. So anytime the villain is a little bit more vulnerable and, like, you think they might change, I think it draws at least me in more. Um, And, I mean... Like I was saying before, I felt like this episode was also hinting more at the break between the Doctor and the companions, and that's been a theme throughout this entire season for me, even starting with the end of the first two episodes where the Doctor doesn't tell the companions what she discovered. I mean, all the way starting from back then, she's, like, separating herself, and I really think that's hopefully going to come into play in this finale. I mean, I guess you don't ever really know with... This writing team, but... But, overall, um, I'm going to give this episode a 7. All
1: right. Man, I, like, I really liked this episode when it started. I really, really wanted to love this episode. It came from a point in history that I've always found really intriguing. It, you know, I love the story of Frankenstein. If you've never actually read the book, the original go and read it it's got a lot more to it than you might think um and I yeah I mean I thought that the characters were good like I said I love the butler I know he was just like a bit part but had me entertained the whole time I thought Byron was spectacular you know his just incessant flirting with the doctor was a lot of fun and it's been a while since we've kind of seen that happening um And, you know, I thought that there were a lot of very creepy elements to this, a lot of really intriguing things. I think the interactions between the characters were really good, even though, you know, most of them were just kind of on the side and, and, you know, one-off type comments. I thought they worked really well. But as we've discussed already, there were some very unfortunate plot holes and kind of annoying things in this. I am going to give this one a... A 6.75. I hate doing that, but I just... I, I can't decide between 6.5 and 7. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, now that's like spooky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael. We should skip yours, right? <laughs>
0: I think from a, from, a, from a direction point of view, the story looked good. It had a lot of intriguing <laughs> visuals. Unfortunately, those visuals didn't bring the story together, and the plot seemed. I don't know. It, I kind of agree with Colin on this. I hate agreeing and just saying, "Yeah, that's what it is." But it never feel that agreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a patch. Really it's honest. like a. It's like Colin Baker's code. It's a patchwork of different ideas put together uh, haphazardly and not actually thought out. Um, to to finish off all these different threads.
1: I'm sure the creator of that quote would be very disappointed to hear it described
0: as haphazard. <laughs> well, it was haphazard. That was the point. But um, but any rate, um, I think there was definitely... It started off very intriguing and very creepy, but I was so let down by the, by what happened next that I'm giving this a 5.5. It is not getting a very high rating. Sorry. any rate... Let us know what you think by talk, uh, typing to us at Facebook. At the
1: Emailing what? us at the Review at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, I stumbled there, I knew.
3: Tweet us with the hashtag Review. Maybe I'll see it, who knows. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah and uh, sorry we didn't get around to doing a Saturday episode last uh, week, as promised, but we will get to it eventually. Yeah,
0: we will get you to it. you didn't
1: remind them, they would forget.
0: Oh, well, but we did say it in the last podcast, so yeah. it's only fair that we have some continuity for, for our own like podcast. For, like, the three
1: people who remember us saying that, I felt like I should apologize. <laughs> hey,
3: that's, that's right. That's fair. That's some good integrity, which the Whovian Review is all about, right? Yep. We got,
0: we got to make those plot holes come together.
3: Indeed, indeed. Well, well. Uh, tell your friends about us. You know, Catch communicate you. back to us. You know, we're still watching the skies for this spare carrier pigeon um, <laughs> one of these days. Yeah. Till next time.
0: Bye. See y'all later. Bye.